Welcome to the Connect FCS Ed Podcast, where we talk about family and consumer sciences education. Each episode is geared to support, recruit, and retain the professional FCS educator. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to boldly celebrate with you today, families and careers. Hi, and welcome back to Connect FCS Ed. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and to be part of our PD Bites for FCS. Today, I have an amazing guest. Her name is Taylor Key. She is from Upperman High School in Baxter, Tennessee. Shout out to Baxter High School or Upperman High School. So Taylor, she teaches Intro to Human Studies, Nutrition Across the Lifespan, and Nutrition Science. But today, Taylor is really wanting to share personalized learning and that implementation. So Taylor, welcome, and I'm excited to learn from you. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so well, give us a introduction to yourself besides what I just shared. Well, I live in Tennessee, and I studied at Tennessee Tech University. I got my bachelor's degree in family consumer science education. I graduated in 2014, and I've been at Upperman for three years. I just love family consumer science. That is fantastic. So why did you say yes to FCS? Well, actually, I would probably say that my passion for family consumer science came from my grandma. She taught, through extension, she taught nutrition. And that's kind of where my passion, I guess, came from. My love for cooking and nutrition and all of those types of things. That's great. Oh, I love hearing how extensions are brought into the classroom as well as growing our own FCS professionals. So that's great. I'm still learning about extensions and all of the amazing programs and classes that they have to offer. So I'm glad to hear that you've had that. It was a personal experience. (laughs) So that's great. It was. I I used to actually I don't want to say skip school, but I kind of used to skip school or I would be sick just so that I could go with her sometimes when I was younger and because I just loved it so much. So I would say that my passion came a lot from her. I actually went, started tech to be a dietitian, but then kind of switched my, my pathway to family consumer science education. Well, that's great. Yeah. Well, the things that I love about FCS is that it's just, it encompasses all aspects of our life. So, and that's probably just, we're able to pick and choose just little parts of our daily life and say, this is how we're using our curriculum in a, (laughs) in our daily lives. So that's great. Let's talk about personalized learning and implementation. So a couple of years ago, I was selected by actually my administration to be on our countywide personalized learning team. And they had seen some of the different really personalized learning strategies that I was already incorporating into my classroom. So they selected me to be part of this team. And I didn't really know what personalized learning learning was or what it was about. But through my experience on that team and doing the professional development days and really just helping other teachers in our building learn about personalized learning and how to implement it, I have learned a lot and I absolutely love personalized learning. Take me down a couple of different strategies that you would say are probably one of your favorite. So I would probably say I probably have three of my top favorites. 
the first is going to be station rotation. So I incorporate station rotations a lot in my FDS classroom. I also use a lot of flexible playlists where students can choose. They have a choice of how they're going to really tell me or show their mastery of the content or the standard. And then I also do must-do, may-do lists. I incorporate those three probably the most in my classroom. So what was that last one? It's called a must-do, may-do list. A must-do, maybe list? May-do. Okay. Must-do, may-do. Okay. So, well, now I've never heard of a must-do. So talk to me about that. So the must-do, may-do list, I incorporate that a lot through my flexible playlist. Basically, students have to do this part of the assignment. And then for your students who have who finish early, they can select something that they may do. And they can either do that for extra credit or you can incorporate it however you want into their grade. But really, it's just great for those students who finish early. Okay. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I've also started implementing a genius hour. Um, have you ever heard of genius hour? No, no, I haven't. I've heard of Hour of Code, but I don't think I've heard anything for Genius Hour. I had honestly never heard of it either until a couple of weeks ago. I was collaborating actually with a middle school teacher in our district. So I've started implementing this Genius Hour at really just the end of cooking lab. You know, you always have those students who finish super early that works really well with their team, which is great. And then you have students who maybe take 10 or 15 extra minutes on their cooking lab. So basically just with all of my extra class time, I have them, they pick, they can pick any topic they want that they want to learn more about. And basically they just do a project about it. So I've started implementing that in, in my food classes and a true genius hour, they would pick any topic under the sun, but I kind of, I don't want to say limited, but I limited theirs to food related or fact related topics. So I just started doing that last week, and it has been really, really cool to see the students because they're super excited. Basically, I mean, it's something that they want to learn about, so they're getting super excited about looking up stuff, teaching their classmates, and all of that. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah, those are, well, Genius Hour is just an extended learning opportunity for, for students, and so that way you don't have students, for sure, sitting on your kitchen countertops. <laughs> Or causing distractions for your other learners who are still finishing up their lab. Yeah, it's worked really well so far, and I cannot wait. They're going to actually present them at the end of the nine weeks. So they really have a long period of time to do them, but it's just when we have an extra maybe 10 minutes or something like that, they can work on their Genius Hour project. Okay, well, that's great. What sort of, well, since I know you've just started, you've just started implementing that, for this genius hour, are there a couple of students who you could really see who are already kind of streamlining their their project, kind of seeing what it's going to look like towards the end? Absolutely. It is super cool. I actually started with a Padlet. I don't know if you've ever heard of Padlet before. You have? Yeah. So I had students, they had to pick five different topics or areas that they were interested in. And on Padlet, you can actually give a, give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So after I had them kind of brainstorm and figure out five different ideas, I had their students go and give a thumbs up to one of the five ideas. So they actually got a really good idea of what students in their classroom wanted to know about too. So that was really cool. And they didn't have to pick 
the topic that got the most thumbs up, but it was just a good idea for them to see, oh, other people are interested in this. This might be something cool that I could do a project over and present it to my class. I love Padlet. So when it comes to Padlet, you can only have, if you're using the free version, you're only able to do like three Padlets. So my question, I guess, is, is everybody in the class doing this genius hour or is this really only focused towards students, your high, your high achievers? Well, I've really focused it towards anyone and everyone in the class, but I have three different preps. So I can only have three different tablets. So I have all, well, I have two classes in each prep area, I guess you could say. So I have all of my students on that Padlet and it's super huge, (laughs) but it's worked pretty well so far. We'll see how it goes the next few weeks. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, I love that you're incorporating, well, one, student voice where their peers are supporting their ideas. That, I think that speaks volumes and it just added value to their project and within each other where you're establishing that community that much more. And I've actually had a couple students and it warms my heart to see them get so into this, but they've actually created Google form surveys and sent it out to class and had their classmates like put their input on certain topics. It's been really awesome to see like those light bulb moments go off in their head. That is, yes. And it's the same, it's that same sort of feeling where just like any, any parent where you're proud of your own children, when you see them incorporating learning, it's learning in action where I, I don't care who you are. It's the fact that you're, I see my students as they're my kids, no matter what age or how long I've had them or, or I didn't have them. They're my kids. So it's that same the you know, mothering of proudness right there of just that learning and action. That's great. Absolutely. And that's also what I love about FTS Classroom is I get to have these kids for three years to complete my pathway. So I really get to build good relationships with them over the years. Whereas other teachers, you know, they might just have them for one year for English too or or something. Yeah, well, absolutely. So, okay, so that is your genius hour for a must-do, may-do list. How about, what is a flexible playlist? Flexible playlists are, it's it's a lot, it's similar to the must-do, may-do. A learning playlist or a learning menu, they're called a couple different things. Basically, they have different sections, and then students pick what type of project or really how they want to convey the information. So I did a learning menu a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about regional foods and I actually did my learning menu as a menu, which I thought was really cool. So they had an appetizer, a main course, a side dish and a dessert. So they had to complete something in the appetizer section, the main course, the side dish. And then the dessert was completely extra credit. And it was just really for those kids who finished early and wanted to do another aspect of their project. That's great. Well, I'm just seeing, well, one, the menus. These learning menus are becoming huge instructional strategies that instructional coaches are starting to even implement at the elementary level for helping other teachers become better at their craft. So I love seeing I'm, I'm, I could actually visualize what you are doing 
in your classroom just by seeing these learning menus. So that that is a great strategy, really a great strategy. Thank you. I actually pulled it up so I could tell you a little bit about it because my mind went blank. But for the appetizer section, they had basically it was like a web quest they were completing about their region just to give them some good background information. And then for the main dish, they could have um, chosen to do a brochure, a website, a poster, or a song. And then for their side dish, they were actually creating a menu. So the main dish was more focused on the background information about their cuisine and things like that. And then the side dish was them actually creating a menu for that region, which they really enjoyed doing. And they could either make a restaurant menu or they can make a social media page for their restaurant. And I actually had a couple people that made Instagram pages for their restaurants, which was really cool to see. So then dessert, they could have made an advertisement or they could have interviewed someone maybe that lives in that region, or they could have put a recipe from their restaurant. And those were all worth different amounts of extra credit points for their project. I love this. This is such fun and interactive ideas that you are allowing students one choice, but you're also unleashing and unlocking their creativity. And how many students are in a group? For this project, they did this alone. Oh, they did. They did. And it was a big project to do alone. But typically I have 25 in my classes. So typically I'll have four or five in a cooking group. And a lot of times I'll incorporate my projects with their cooking group. Okay. So individual. There, oh, I'm I'm getting ideas with, you know, it's pressure. This is a little mini pressure cooker of going, hey, everybody needs to be working on some aspect of this assignment all throughout your course. So, yes, this is a good little enticive. Yes, I love it. And, okay, and so what do you do for, what what are your favorites when it comes to station rotations? Well, I love incorporating stations because you can get a lot of information conveyed to the students in a short amount of time. So a lot of times I will do, I'll even do notes sometimes in the station and they can rotate through, get their notes. And then maybe one section might be them taking their notes and doing a project with it or doing an assignment. The next station might be something, you know, more hands-on. I love doing stations and we have 90 minute class periods. So I find that super helpful in a 90 minute class period to do stations where students are up, moving around, they're not sitting the whole time, you know, getting tired, all of those things. Yeah. So, okay. With 90 minute block periods. So do you only see your students every other day? Yes, I do. Okay. A, B schedule. Yeah. I actually grew up on an A-B schedule. I, I remember in middle school having periods one through six. And then once I got into high school, they had just switched over to that A-B schedule. And I have to say, I loved the A-B schedule because I was not the most stellar of students by any means. So being able to be in one class for a longer period of time really helped me. It really, truly helped me a lot. And I was able to become more acquainted with my teachers and be able to ask kind of the the more 
just more questions because I had that much more time. So do you have a lot of students who who really enjoy that A-B schedule as well? I think they like it. The reason why we went to A-B this year was because of COVID. So typically we have seven period days, Monday through Wednesday, and then we have A days on Thursday for 90 minutes and B days for 90 minutes on Fridays. But it's been an FCS teacher's dream to have 90 minutes because it's so hard to complete a lab in 60 minutes. It can be done, but I love 90-minute classes. The kids love them, too, because it's just very overwhelming to go to seven class periods. And it's a lot of moving around. So that's kind of why we switched it to AB for COVID, just so that they weren't coming into contact with as many students. Yeah, well, and that right there is another great, it's a great cohorting method. So that's great. I'm glad your district was able to make lemonade out of lemons. Yes, (laughs) that's what this year has been all about, right? It definitely (laughs) has been. Uh, So do you work in a team, an FCS team at school? Well, we at our school, we have about 700 students. I'm the only FCS teacher. District-wide, we have four total, so it's very small, but I do find good collaboration online, and obviously through your podcast, it's super beneficial to collaborate with other FCS teachers, especially when you're the only one in your building. Yeah, no, I I can relate to that, and I'm so glad to hear that you are branching out and reaching out and finding those, those people within your community to collaborate within. I think one of the best things about being an FCS teacher is that our content, we can implement all of these strategies and maybe it's a little bit more difficult than some, but I feel like we are so fortunate to be able to offer such a wide range of strategies where I have instructional coaches much like you who are constantly asking, hey, what do you do in your class that benefits our English language learners. And it's like, oh, well, we have word walls, we have technology, we're constantly focusing on different vocabulary and repetition to really understand, and which also helps all language learners. So I love these strategies and how you're, you're just personalizing everything. And that is when learning happens, when students are able to take the what is being taught and then adapt it to fit their needs. Absolutely. That's what personalized learning is all about. And I have seen so many more gains through personalized learning in my classroom because students are excited. Change an assignment or choose an assignment that really benefits them or showcases their abilities. If they're super artistic, they can make a poster. For good with technology, they could do something on the computer. So it's been really great for my students. Oh, that is. Well, this has been a blast. And I'm just so thankful that you were able to take the time out of your your Sunday to spend some time with me and to share just your wins. That is what this is. We're celebrating our wins and personalized learning, project-based learning. That is the wave of the future of education. So collaborate listen and join in on the conversation of what is happening as we navigate the future. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. And this has been a blast. 
please come back and join the show anytime. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I've had so much fun and I love listening to your podcast. Oh, thank you. Well, would you like to give any shout outs to your school or community? Well, yeah, of course. Upperman High School. I love you guys. (laughs) Great. Well, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Each episode on the Connect FCS Ed podcast, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families everywhere. If you could do me a quick favor, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. My mission is to get this out in front of as many people as possible to help educate and inform the community that home economics is alive and well. Thanks again for spending your time with me today and be sure to visit fcspodcast.com for past episodes and resources to help spread the word that family and consumer sciences is today's home economics.